Good morning. My name is Samuel Postma. This morning, our scripture is from 2 Corinthians. Please follow along in your Bibles or use the screens. I will be reading verses 1 through 5 from chapter 10 in the New International Version. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Sam. Well, good morning, church. It's it's funny to hear how Peter's desired length is 18 minutes, and as I sit there, I think, how could you preach a sermon 18 minutes long? I think I'm like McDonald's. I like to get you out of here as fast as possible, right? The drive through Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Today is probably one of my most favorite days in the church calendar because today is All Saints Day. If you are not familiar with this tradition in the church, it is a day that we remember those who have passed away who have been influential to our own faith. As Wikipedia nicely puts it, All Saints celebrates the powerful spiritual bond between those in heaven, the church triumphant, and those on earth, the church militant. We recognize we are all shaped, for better or for worse, by those in our community, those who have taken an active part in our lives. And today, we thank and honor God for those who have been role models for us, loving and living in a way that showcases us for what the kingdom is truly about. I was pleasantly surprised with this morning's scripture passage and how well it fit into All Saints Day. Here we have Paul addressing the church in Corinth. It is such an interesting address that he is making to the church. Paul clearly is calling some people out on their actions, and later we hear him even call out on their gossiping about him. But in these select verses, Paul is urging the people to start living a different way. He tells them, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Corinth had been overtaken by Rome a hundred years previously and was rebuilt into a Roman colony. The hearers of this letter were familiar with this type of warfare, where the superior power would come in and destroy the city, and those they did not kill were kept as slaves. For Paul to argue that there was a better way seemed to contradict what they had seen as successful. It is here that I see the lives of the saints shining through. Paul's appeal to the church to set aside the standards of this world, the things that we think are successful, and to live by a different standard, that of Jesus Christ. 
Even as Paul begins his letter, he starts by humility and gentleness of Christ. Jesus has all power and authority on heaven and earth, yet he comes to us in humility and gentleness. This is not the standard of our world. We see those with power use it to advance their agendas, threaten other weaker powers, and be boastful about it. God's agenda for our lives seems to often be in direct contradiction to the messages we are surrounded by. And this is where I thank God for the saints. They show us it is possible to live a life contrary to the lives that we see around us and are witnesses to what the fullness of a life contrary to the world is. As I have gotten older, I think back to the things in my past and can now recognize the unique experiences that I have had and see God at work in and through them. When my parents divorced, I was less than three years old. My brothers were five, seven, and nine. When my parents finally divorced, my mom moved us out of our 5,000 square foot home into a 900 square foot home in the adjoining town. To my recollection, we were the only children in the neighborhood with divorced parents. My mom returned to college to finish her degree while juggling four children to raise, childcare while she was in class, and taking care of a house all on her own. We moved next door to neighbors that could have only come from God. Anne and Charlie Frost were their names. They were in their early 70s at the time. Now, I'm not sure what it's like to be in my early 70s just yet, and on that beautiful time of retirement. But something tells me I wouldn't be thrilled if three wild boys move next door with only a single mother to watch after them. Of course, I would have welcomed that sweet little girl. <laughs> but these two embraced our family with warmth, care, and love that was in complete contradiction to the time. Anne quickly became my best friend, and every single day, I would wander over to her house, most of the time without permission, to play. She taught me how to shuffle cards, took me through all her photo albums, and told me all about her life, her children's lives, and her grandchildren's lives. She had the most incredible basement. As you walked down the stairs, you would go through this beaded entryway. She had this beautiful vanity with a gargantuan mirror where she would paint her nails and put on her makeup every day. I had died and gone to girl heaven when I would go into that basement. Anne was a belly dancer and always let me play with her belly dancing costumes. She even made me my own intricate four and five year old belly dancing costumes that I wore almost everywhere. Charlie had a bike shop in the back of his garage. He gave each one of my brothers and me a bike for free. He too was a character. He wore watches up both sides of his arms that he would sell to people. And he also sold jewelry out of the front room in their house, which Anne would let me wear while we looked through the photo albums. It's funny how all cr this all sounds so crazy now, but was totally normal then. My family was broken by the divorce, each needing some extra love in one way or another. 
My mom was 29 at the time, and I know that Charlie and Anne were like parents to her, caring for her and helping her get through her days. And they became grandparents to us kids, enjoying us run through the sprinkler on hot summer days, inviting us into their home like it was an extension of our own, and sharing their lives with us. Never did they make us feel like charity or a burden. They opened up themselves to us and in a time in life where they could have easily dismissed us and groaned about the loud, rambunctious neighbors next door, they let us become a part of their family. You don't find neighbors like Anne and Charlie very often. They were gifts and instilled in me the type of neighbor I long to be. When I think of the saints in my own life, those who have inspired me to live a life that goes beyond serving my own needs and wants, but looking to create a better world for those around, those people were not saints in maybe the traditional way in which we think of them. They were ordinary people, choosing kindness, selflessness, and love as a way to operate in this world, rather than power, prestige, and self-gain. I read this week, what we celebrate, when we celebrate all saints, is not the superhuman faith and power of a select few, but it's God's ability to use flawed people to do divine things. And we have an abundance of living witnesses to testify to this truth amongst us in this body. As a pastor, I am humbled by the servants we have in this church. In January, the high school youth group leaders and myself will participate, and the students, will participate in Operation Night Watch. For those of you who are not familiar with this program, it is a ministry to the homeless people of Seattle. It was birthed from this church. In preparing us for us to go and serve, I got online and looked at their website and learned a little bit more about their history. Here's a bit about their program. A young pastor on Mercer Island, Bud, came downtown after choir practice and followed some homeless young people into an abandoned house on First Hill. He was looking for a troubled child of his congregation who had been drifting with other hippies along the West Coast. It was 1967. Pastor Bud rapped with these young people about everything, love, war, politics, faith, and he kept coming back. Choir practice ended, then Bud would drive downtown Seattle to visit his new friends. One of the homeless people said, Seattle needs a minister on the street every night, and Bud agreed. You get some training together and I'll get the clergy. Pastor Bud thought that that might be the end of it. But this young man pulled together skid row workers, public health nurses, a bar owner, and the police department. He surprised Pastor Bud, who quickly called together religious workers, and Operation Night Watch was launched. Ministers of all types on the streets from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m., no preaching, just a loving presence. The story goes on to tell how that first year was a challenge for Bud and the others, and Bud was even thrown through a glass window into a porn shop. You have a story to tell, mister. <laughs> what would the world say of this then? Bud, 
a husband with two small children at home, he could have easily dismissed this nudge to go and look for this young person from his congregation. He could have easily let that first night talking to those people be enough to make him feel like he had done a good job. But instead, he persisted because, I surmise, he wanted them to know a better world. He wanted them to know they were loved with hot meals, conversations, and people caring about them. This ministry still continues to this day, and I know that there are people in this church that make help it succeed. And we have others in our midst that show us God in the here and now. There is a person who arrives here early before anyone else every Sunday morning to make sure Sunday mornings run smoothly. She ensures each of us are greeted when we come into this place and provides the hospitality that makes it so inviting. There are those who have volunteered in children's ministry year after year, providing a nurturing and safe place for our children to grow in the knowledge of God. It is the people who fold the bulletins, count the money, and clean up after events. These mundane tasks that we often excuse ourselves from because we are busy. It is these saints that take it on because they know it is work to be done and it relieves a burden from another. The list goes on of people in this place that give of themselves, that make others feel loved and show us what a life of a saint looks like in contradiction to the standards of this world. In our scripture passage this morning, Paul calls the church to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is what I see in the lives of the saints. Anne and Charlie had every opportunity, and the world would have supported them, to think of us as a nuisance, disrupting the serenity of their golden years. Bud could have decided to head home and see his family after what I imagined was a long day at the church. The number of people in this place who give of their time and talents each and every week could easily find excuses why they can no longer serve. We all have a choice, and we have a freedom to decide how we want to live out our days. For me, it seems that those who take every thought and opportunity and make it obedient to Christ, those who live in contradiction to the standards of this world, those who allow the divine power to be at work within them. It is those who seem to find the true meaning of life. This is how one becomes a saint. They see beyond themselves and are actively choosing love. We were never called to do it alone. God intended humanity for community. It is the very reason why Christ gave us the gift of the church. A place filled with witnesses who have shown a fuller picture of what life can be, who have been the embodiment of Christ to us and loved us well. And this morning, as we prepare to share in the sacrament of Holy Communion, we are reminded of the saints who have gone before us and are now at the heavenly banquet table feasting with our Lord. And today, we thank God for the gift of their examples and their lives. We remember them by living into their example and choosing a life of love and service, for we know it will lead to life and life in the full. Thanks be to God for the great cloud of witnesses 
that have gone before us. Amen. This morning, brothers and sisters, it is our sacred privilege to come here to this Lord's table. And as we come this morning, we remember those who have gone before. We remember those that our heart longs for, that we mourn this morning, that are no longer with us in body. But we celebrate that they are rejoicing at the table with the Lord. But as we remember them, this morning we have opportunity to take a candle after we receive communion. I recommend that you pull the wick up. To light it from the center candle. And to place it here. In, represent, in representing the lives of the saints in your own life that have made a difference. And this light shines in remembrance of the fact that they were once with us, but their light still shines on us this day. Brothers and sisters, the gospel tells us on the first day of the week, the day the Lord our, rose, our Lord rose from the dead, he appeared to some of his disciples and was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. It is true for us as well. Christ is made known to us as we break this bread and drink this cup together. This is food for the journey to which God has called us. Let our lives be nourished by the Lord himself as we celebrate together at this table. Now hear the words of institution as they were given to us from the Apostle Paul. On the night on which Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. After giving thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. For often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. For whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we remember the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray. O God Almighty, to you be praise and honor for giving yourself, shedding your blood, and letting your body be broken in death for our sake, so that we might have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Bless, O God, this bread that we together eat and the cup that we together drink. Let us, through this blessed bread and this blessed cup, become partakers of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Unite us with one another and with all your saints in heaven and on earth. Consecrate us, body and soul, to be a living, acceptable offering to you, so that in word and deed we may continually praise and glorify your holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen.